Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Be Bullish podcast. I'm Alex Ely, CIO of the U.S. Growth Equity Team here at Macquarie. Thank you for listening to listening in. Uh, today, we have a very special podcast. I, I'm welcoming Chris Michelle. He's our head of talent and DEI in the Americas here at Macquarie. Now, as you know, uh, we focus on disruptions on my team, on growth disruptions within the U.S. economy, and one of the things that we're seeing. Uh, really have a dramatic change over the last few years is corporations being more responsible to their communities and to their employees. Uh, people want to be able to relate more to the corporation that they work for and feel that they stand for something more than just profits. Uh, DEI is a big part of that, a big part of including everybody into the workplace and being inclusive. And we're going to have Chris on here to talk about what that means, where we are today. Um, and, and what's happening in the future. And it's really exciting. Um, what we find is that by bringing everyone together, we get more points of view, we get more creativity, we get more productivity, we're able to build stronger corporations um, within this industry as a whole. So Chris is a huge part of that uh, here in, in respect to being head of all talent and DNI at, at Macquarie. Um, what does it mean, Chris? Uh, what do you do here at Macquarie? Yeah, so so it's interesting. I have sort of a unique role here. Um, so my my job is really kind of looking at both the talent management side of our our, our work in HR, but also our DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, it's unique in that there's really nobody else in the organization who has the merged talent and DEI function. What all of that means um, is I look at all of our talent processes around the employee lifecycle and make sure that they're underpinned by the notion of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So making sure that we have inclusive talent practices um, from the uh, point at which we bring folks into the organization. So engaging them through our onboarding pro uh, practices um, as they are evaluated, talent evaluation processes, development processes, um, a number of different um, initiatives that impact the employee lifecycle. And again, making sure all of those are inclusive. I have found that the organization is, is very clear on its mission regarding our DEI work. Um, our senior executives have been very engaged in conversations I've had with them and in, in helping to push this out throughout their uh, uh, respective scope of responsibility or scopes of responsibility. Um, uh, employees further down uh, in the organization have engaged with me um, very deliberately about how they could uh, make our initiatives work better, what they could do to drive diversity, equity, and inclusion in the organization. And so overall, I would say it's been very positive. Um, what has been interesting is, you know, obviously we are an Australian company. And, right. you know, as Australia has, has begun to do a lot of this work before I arrived, there has been a big focus on gender equity, right? Um, right. But here in the States, obviously, it's a little bit different. We have a focus, obviously, on, on gender equity, but we also have focus on um, ethnic diversity. We have a focus on LGBT, veterans, people with different abilities. So there are a number of different uh, ways in which we here in the States are able to look at this work a little bit differently. And so that kind of play back and forth with Australia has been also interesting in that um, our board and our senior leadership in Australia has begun to start a push on um, a broader definitions of diversity on which to execute. Wow, I, it's it's very exciting. I mean, what, what we're seeing is that more and more people want their employers to have a purpose. They want to feel connected. 
Uh, DEI is, is just a huge part of that. So the fact that you're on board and helping to steer us in that direction is really great. Um, just, just as I think about it, um, certainly the pandemic must have had an effect uh, in general on DEI here in the US as well as abroad. Can you comment on that at all? Yeah, I think, you know, what's interesting um, as we, we go back now two years, um, it, there were a, a confluence of things, I think, that came together to have a big impact on this work from a corporate perspective. Globally, obviously, the pandemic um, had a number of impacts on different uh, people of different dimensions of diversity. So um, women, uh, people of color, the health impacts in particular were more mm -hmm. um, noticeable and, and heavier on, on uh, people of color here in the United States and really around the world. Um, we saw uh, women losing their jobs uh, faster than men. Um, so, so there are a lot of different impacts on, in terms of employment, in terms of health outcomes. But here in the United States, right around that time, we had some very significant incidents of, of, of what we call racial reckoning um, that also had an impact on corporate efforts in this space uh, and really had corporations rethinking about how they engaged with their clients and with their employees. So, you know, we are we are still coming back out of, as everybody knows, the pandemic, sure. where we're thinking about you know, how we get people back into the office, caregivers, you know, oftentimes right. that means women, but many times it means men just as, as, as well. Um, you know, when one of the, one of the things that we did a lot of um, study on was, you know, as people are in the office, um, that is where the sort of organic sponsorship and mentorship um, that is right. needed for career growth is developed. But when you saw more women leaving the office, right, than, than men, when you saw that, you know, people of color um, were having these impacts on health that prevented them from getting back into the workforce at the same rates as um, as others, um, you know, what did that mean for the growth and development of, of certain dimensions of diversity back in the office, right? You know, if they weren't getting that that level of sponsorship and mentorship at home, were they going to be able to advance at the same rate? So all of these things played into um, how we look at, again, this, this notion of talent and the employee life cycle and development and growth, uh, and then those factors that, that impact different dimensions of diversity have to be considered as well as we do this work. Well, <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot coming from the pandemic. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully it, it peters out here and we're all able to be together. I certainly think it's a lot easier to to drive change when we are all together and we are, are all working with each other. Um, I, I wanted to just pivot a little bit and talk about um, inclusion and, and basically the things that happen within the workplace. And there's some terms that I saw you mention on, on other, other interviews that I, I'd love you to review for us. Could you talk to us about unconscious bias and what that is in the, uh, in the workplace? Yeah, it's, it's a topic that has been um, really hot over the last, I'd say, probably seven or eight years as people talk about this DEI work. Unconscious bias is simply the biases that, that we, are, uh, we are born with. Um, we, we grow up to learn in our own environments um, that have an effect on how we deal in the world. Now, they can be positive or negative. That's, that's something that people generally tend to associate the term bias with negativity. They right. can also end up being positive, right? Um, but at the end of the day, what we try to teach and as we teach about unconscious biases is, is as hard as this may sound, right? 
to be conscious of the fact that you do have unconscious biases and, right. and they will have an impact on how you engage with people at work. So a really sort of quick example, you know, again, people think about the term bias and they sort of associate it with, you know, discrimination and things of that nature. But I'll give you one, an example that's even <clears throat> a little bit more um, simple and probably something that, that could have happened, right? So we are in a Zoom environment in these days, right? Uh, and you're often right. on camera with folks. I've actually been on Zooms where somebody may have a sweatshirt uh, from a school that is not considered to be, you know, top of top of the, the the heap. So it's not a Harvard, it's not an Ivy League. Guy had a sweatshirt on once that was from Appalachian State, and right. um, you know, somebody came back at me after the meeting and was like, "Wow, I didn't know so and so went to Appalachian State, man. I I don't know that I ever even heard of that school." And the person was basically displaying their own unconscious bias vis-a-vis the fact that this guy had gone to a school that this person had never heard of. And so you're not even aware of it, right? And that right. that interaction could disadvantage that guy who went to Appalachian State. Guy could have been the smartest person in the world. Sure. He might not have even gone to Appalachian State, right? He just happened to have that sweat shirt on. So um, those are sort of little things that, can tend, that, that tend to uh, confer unintended advantages or disadvantages on people. Certainly, it's important to just be conscious that you have those biases. Um, you Correct. know, I, I, I'm I'm sure that I have them. I mean, I, I've been in the the industry for 30 years, so I've certainly seen a lot of those things over time. Um, can you talk to us about microaggressions as well? That was another topic you mentioned. Yeah, microaggressions. You know, they they go hand in hand with unconscious biases. So your unconscious biases, um, microaggressions are are the the manifestation of unconscious biases, right? So you're, right. you're predisposed to think a certain way, and so your microaggressions um, tend to be the small, um, uh, unsaid things that again confer unintended advantages or disadvantages. So, you know, from from an, uh, the perspective of an example. You know, somebody might look at me. Um, I happen to be African American. I happen to mm-hmm. be tall, um, and the assumption that a lot of people make is, "Oh, you must have played basketball," which, in fact, right. I did. Right, but just right. because I'm tall and and happen to be black doesn't mean you should make that association. In fact, I actually had somebody say to me one time, uh, I, "I happen to go to a a private school, a pretty prestigious private school here in New York City for high school," and me and this guy were having this conversation, and he says. He finds out, he goes, oh, he goes, oh, well, you went to Trinity. Wow, you must have gone there on a basketball scholarship, right? Uh, basically, the assumption was right. that I wasn't intelligent necessarily enough to get into this private school because I was smart because I played basketball. And, and that's the kind of thing that if you hear it over and over again, you tend to feel like people are, are downplaying your level of intelligence, your level of confidence, right. whatever it is. Um, and so those, again, they're just a little thing. And he probably didn't mean anything by it. It's just, you know, he associates tall black guys with basketball, which a lot of people right. do, right? Um, and so they can tend, again, to have a negative effect on the people who receive those microaggressions on a regular basis. Is Are you right to address them right away or do you let it slide or what do you do? No, you should address them right away. So I've, I've done a number of, of uh, facilitation of courses on both unconscious bias, micro aggressions and what we teach is that you should address them in the moment and you should also right. realize that the person who has committed them is not doing it out of a place of malice normally right, right? i mean sometimes they they do come from you know there are jerks in sure. the world we all know yeah. that right but most Absolutely. often than not 
they come from a, a place of, of these, in, these unconscious biases, a place of just not knowing and assumptions that people make. And so in the moment, right, even though it's hard, it's, it's you got to call it out. So in that instance, I mentioned to you, you know, when the guy said to me, oh, you know, you must have gone to Trinity because you played basketball. I said to him very plainly, no, actually, while I did play basketball there, I got in there because in the first grade, I took an aptitude test. I scored well on it and I got in and there, there you have right. it. I had nothing to do with the fact that I played basketball. And he was a bit embarrassed. Um, but after we talked about it for a minute, he understood. He apologized. He learned a lesson. We moved on. Right. I think that's great. I think we all have lessons that we can learn. I know for sure that I can. So, you know, for me, it's a great discussion to understand this more. Can you can you talk to me about covering and, and what that means? Yeah. So covering is is a term that really has kind of more recently come into into vogue. Um, covering basically means that while you're not necessarily hiding the fact that you may be uh, a, a certain dimension of diversity, you tend to downplay it. Right. So right. A, a person who happens to be gay um, might, in fact, instead of when we used to have our own desks, instead of having uh, a picture of his uh, his husband on the desk, he might choose not to put any any pictures like that up. He might choose right. not to wear, say, a rainbow flag or, or, you know, he won't say that he's not gay. Right. But but he won't also, you know, walk around sort of just being out right. about it. Right. And that's sure. that's the notion of covering. We see that also um, with with people of color. Often they'll do something called code switching where, you know, in your home life, you know, you have sort of a, a right. way yep. in which you kind of talk and engage with people. But then when you come into the office, you know, there's a, there's a way that you carry and comport yourself that is not threatening, not aggressive, or you think it's not. Um, and, and that is known as code switching. And in some sense, you're sort of covering um, your, your ethnicity in the way that you might otherwise engage. Right. Well, I mean, it certainly feels like people are celebrating people's differences more and more. You know, certainly I'm seeing that in my lifetime over the over the last few decades that we're seeing more and more of that. Um, just one other um, term that I wanted you to talk about was uh, allyship and mm. what, what that meant. Yeah. So so allyship is quite simply the notion of um, providing uh, advocacy. Right. For for people who you know, who, who need it, right? So, so people from underrepresented groups, people who are in what we call outgroups. So again, those folks who are in the dimensions of diversity that are not represented in the majority, mm -hmm. um, providing advocacy for using your own power um, to provide advocacy for those folks. Now, you know, you don't necessarily have to be a senior super executive to, to be an right. ally. You know, you can be a peer, you can be a subordinate to be an ally to somebody. It is simply um, advocating for somebody who needs your advocacy, who you recognize needs your advocacy uh, right. in, in any sort of situation. Right. Wow. Now, as, as all these things happen, um, this is great for business as well, right? Having different points of view in terms of creating better outcomes because you're, you are, uh, in essence, listening to all kinds of uh, different ways of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Look, there have been a million studies, right, that that very clearly show that diverse perspectives bring a greater innovation to any sort of organization, to any sort of initiative, right? We are here at Macquarie just very clear 
uh, about the notion that um, diversity of thought drives innovation. Uh, inclusion right. ensures people are empowered to innovate. I mean, it's, it's literally part of a statement that Shamar, our CEO, has made, right? It's, it, it allows us to innovate and invest for a better future. We know that. Right. Um, and and there, there's plenty of data out there that proves that, you know, the, 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 the lack of groupthink or taking away groupthink, right, brings more creative solutions to, to a problem that you're trying to solve. So, you know, this is, this is not necessarily just a, a morally correct thing to do. I mean, obviously, right. we want to do the right thing. We want to be a good corporate citizen. But this is good business at the end of the day. This makes us better. That's, that's what excites me. Um, as you probably noticed from the title of the podcast, the Be Bullish, um, we're an optimistic bunch yeah. uh, on the U.S. growth equity team. We look to the future. We're very excited about where we are in history. Um, I think that every, as everyone gets connected, uh, of course, that crystallizes some, some negative negatives out there. But uh, overwhelmingly, I think it drives forward positives, uh, like the movement against racism and sexism. I, I feel like it, society is, that, that it's accelerating in that area, that it's improving dramatically right now. So it really makes me optimistic and excited about where we are headed for the future. Do you feel that? Is, is, are we at that sort of point in history where things are moving quicker in this direction? Yeah, look, I, I do. Um, I think that, you know, as you said before, you know, I think people recognize uh, that that diversity is is important for us to drive in our organization, and it does provide for better outcomes. Um, you know, I do think, though, if I'm being honest, that there is is probably a faction of people who believe um, that the status quo or their place in the hierarchy of things is, is challenged by diversity. And I think we've seen right. some of that um, in you know, certain laws that have been passed recently and, and, and other engagements that we have um, seen in the political sphere. Um, but I think most people believe that you know, more diversity is, is beneficial to organizations. It is beneficial right. to outcomes. It, it really does. Um, it really does provide for you know just like I said, innovation and creativity that that otherwise wouldn't occur if everybody thinks the same way. I mean, I, I've there's a really interesting study I looked at one time that showed two different teams, right? One that was homogenous and one that was diverse. And when the team started out, it was like a project they put them on. So when the team started out, the homogenous uh, team started out from the outset, just performing very highly. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's because they all, they all were comfortable with each other. They all were familiar right. with each other, right? And the, the diverse team took them a minute. But as they went on in time, the two teams sort of crossed and the diverse team outperformed the highest level of the homogenous team when after their paths crossed over time, right? So, so at the end of the day, you know, there's a, there's a period at which we all got to kind of get comfortable with one another and understand, hey, you know, Alex is different from Chris and we may do mm -hmm. it a little bit differently from John. But once we get all that stuff out of the way, Alex is bringing his experience and perspective. Chris is bringing his. John is bringing his. Marriage bringing hers. And we are able to really create something powerful based on those diversity, uh, the, those, those diverse perspectives um, that we're bringing to the table. Well, I, you know, it's just really important work that you're doing here for us, Chris. I'm, I'm really glad we didn't have a, a head of talent and DNI before here in the Americas. So I think it's 
fantastic that we do. And, and uh, I appreciate all the efforts that you're doing. Um, and I, I look forward to talking to you more in the future about it. This is just, it's great for Macquarie, but it, it just makes me feel good for, for the industry and society overall. So I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking to us about it. Alex, it's been my pleasure and, and really anytime happy to come back and, and have these discussions in any forum that we have. Great. Well, with that, thank you everyone for listening in. I appreciate you uh, hearing another uh, podcast or, or Be Bullish podcast. Uh, thanks again to Chris Michelle and uh, all the efforts that you do. H- have a great thanks, day, Alex. everyone. Take care. Thank you. This recording is intended for financial professionals and institutional investors only. This is not intended for use with the general public. The views expressed in this podcast represent those of the speaker and are subject to change. Nothing presented should be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or follow any investment technique or strategy and does not constitute advice, an advertisement, an invitation, a confirmation, an offer or a solicitation to engage in any investment activity or an offer of any banking or financial service. Throughout this presentation, various securities and companies are referenced. Examples given are for illustrative purposes only and were not chosen based on performance. This is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. All examples herein are for illustrative purposes only and there can be no assurance that any particular investment objectives will be realized or any investment strategy seeking to achieve such objective will be successful. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future performance. Before acting on any information, you should consider the appropriateness of it with regard to your particular objectives, financial situation and needs, and seek advice. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made as to the accuracy or completeness of the information, opinions, and conclusions presented. In preparing this recording, reliance has been placed without independent verification on the accuracy and the completeness of all information available from external sources. Macquarie Asset Management is the marketing name for the Asset Management Division of Macquarie Group. Investment products and advisory services are distributed and offered by and referred through affiliates, which include Delaware Distributors LP, a registered broker-dealer and member of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Macquarie Investment Management Business Trust, a Securities and Exchange Commission registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services are provided by a series of Macquarie Investment Management Business Trusts. Other than Macquarie Bank Limited, none of the entities noted in this podcast are authorized deposit-taking institutions for the purposes of the Banking Act of 1959 from the Commonwealth of Australia. The obligations of these entities do not represent deposits or other liabilities of Macquarie Bank Limited. Macquarie Bank Limited does not guarantee or otherwise provide assurance in respect of the obligations of these entities unless noted otherwise.